Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be born in our flesh and to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again from the dead to defeat death and to give us new life. We celebrate his life throughout the year, every year, and we pray that you would help us to see him more clearly year by year. We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, we are going to be taking a look at a kind of the final piece, if you will, of the question of Lutheran worship, and this will wrap up this section of the book. Um, So tonight, if you have anything that you want to talk about about worship that we haven't talked about yet, or that we don't talk about tonight, be sure to uh, raise your hand and ask. I'm uh, happy to take any questions. But the two little uh, extra pieces, if you will, of the puzzle that we want to consider to talk about Lutheran worship is, uh, first of all, the church year, and uh, second of all, Lutheran hymnody. So we've already touched on the church year a number of times, I think, through talking about the the liturgy and how certain things change during the church year, right? So we talked about, for instance, how the uh, greater Gloria, the Gloria in Excelsis, you know, will drop out during certain times of the church year and things like that. And so we've already kind of mentioned it, but we do want to just take a deep dive into the church year and talk about its purpose. You know, why, why do we follow a church year? Why do we celebrate things like Easter and Christmas? Why don't we just, you know, have sermon series all the time or something like that, right? Why do we, another, uh, it, the book doesn't really get into this, but also um, connected to the church here is the lectionary, right? Why do we follow lectionary? And then the other piece, uh, final piece of Lutheran worship is the the, hit, the hymnody and the hymns we sing. And there's a little essay in the book here called The uh, Heritage of Lutheran music, or the heritage of music in the Lutheran church, I should I should say. And so we're going to take a little look at that essay. Um, makes a couple good points, and I want to point them out to you as we think about the music that we that we sing. All right, so uh, we'll get started with the church here. And if you have your book, uh, we're on page uh, 203, page 203. Yeah, well, the the church here helps us learn the word of God, right? That's one of the points we're going to make. All right, so um, the first part of the the way that the book starts out here is uh, it talks about the three parts of the church here. And uh, that would be the time of Christmas. Uh, the time of Easter and the time of the church. Now, we could really subdivide these into two parts. So the time of church, the time of Christmas and the time of Easter go together, and then the time of church is by itself. And if you look on uh, page 206, if you have your book, 
and it says the Christian year there, it's uh, kind of got this circle, right, where it's got on, on one hand of the year you have uh, the time of the time of Christ, right, which is the time of Christmas and Easter. And then on the other hand, you have the time of the church. And really that does divide the year, our, our annual year, um, a calendar year, in, into about two. Each of those lasts about six months. They're not, it's not exact, right? But um, each of those lasts about six months. And the time of Christ goes from Advent all the way until uh, Pentecost or Trinity. And then you have basically the, in the time of the church, you have the Sundays after Trinity or the Sundays after Pentecost, depending on if you're using the one-year or the three-year lectionary. Since we use the one-year lectionary, we use the term uh, Sundays after Trinity, not Sundays after Pentecost. Um, but that, that's basically the, the broad outline of the church year. All right, so let's uh, talk about why why we would want to use the church year. And I think there's um, th- basically three reasons I want to outline. The book mainly talks about one or two. I want to talk about uh, kind of three reasons. Uh, the first that the book talks about is that it helps us to learn the story. All right, so um, I'm going to read these two paragraphs here at the beginning. No story is complete without the understanding of the order of things. You cannot have a story without order and time. If the prince kisses Sleeping Beauty in chapter 1, but the evil spell that put her to sleep does not come until chapter 5, well, that story just does not make any sense. The church has a story to tell as well. Indeed, Martin Luther said that the church is a mouth house, a place where the true story of Jesus is the main event. This is one story that we do not want to get wrong. And that is why the church uses the rhythms of the festivals and seasons of her her year to teach the story of Christ. Okay, so the idea here is that as we go, especially in this in this half of the church year, the the um one one way to think about this, by the way, that I found helpful, because this is how people kind of think um and our world is to talk about uh, these kind of two halves as semesters, right? You can say the semester of Christ and the semester of the church, right? That's kind of how people think because of school, (laughs) right? Um, In the semester of Christ, you have the story of Christ, right? Leading up to his birth, starting in Advent. Whoops, I didn't mean to cross that. I meant to underline it. Leading up to the birth of Christ with Advent, and then um, Christ's ascension and then delivery of the Holy Spirit at, at Pentecost, right? So that is the entire life of Christ a little bit before and a little bit after in that semester of the church. And it follows his life, right? Um, you're going to have Advent. You're going to have Christmas. You're going to have Easter, right? You're going to have this life of Christ. You're going to have after Easter leading up to Pentecost. Um, it follows that arc of the life of Christ. And so it really does tell the story of Christ year after year. And what it does is it puts us in that story year after year. 
and that we would learn who Christ is and what he's done for us, right? And constantly be reminded of that. And then kind of from that, uh, that main story that binds us together, the story of uh, our salvation, then from there, we're obviously going to go out and through the rest of God's word, right? So um, from the, the accounts of the, the gospels, right, then we're going to connect in what's, what's in the rest of the New Testament and then go back into what's in the, the Old Testament, right? And if you remember when we talked about the gospel reading um, for each Sunday of the church year, the gospel reading is the the main focus of that Sunday, right? It's what everything else is kind of based on. And so you can see that in this, that um, the gospel of Christ, the life of Christ is what really drives the uh, church year as as it's set up, okay? So that's the, that's the understanding of the church year as a story. And then in the Sundays after Trinity, right, um, this is, it's still kind of part of the life of Christ. It's thinking about, what did what did Jesus say whenever he said he was going to ascend and he was going to send the Spirit? He said that the Spirit was going to continue to teach you, right? And if you think about Jesus at the Great Commission, whenever he is on the mountain and he ascends, he, he says, uh, go therefore into all nations, baptizing them, uh, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And so this, uh, this part of the church here in that story, the season of the church, is all about that. It's all about that teaching. Right, that we're the church is growing in in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and growing in His teaching. Um, so that's part that's part of the story as well. All right, the second reason why I think it's good that we follow the church here, why we do follow the church here, um, is that uh, the the idea of time and that we have a uh, let me put it this way, we have a different time. Than the time of the world. We operate on a different time. Now let me explain that. Um, when the world thinks about time, the world is generally anxious, right? The world thinks that there's not enough time in the day. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough worries for itself, right? Right? Uh, the church operates on a different time because we have the peace of Christ. And one of the things that the church here does is it kind of cements this really into the hearts and minds and lives of the people going to church. Um, now, I think this is uh, one, one place you can see this, that this is um, especially evident is kind of in the, if you go with our calendar, our annual, what is it, a uh, uh, Gregorian calendar, right? How's that? What's the term for that? The calendar that we follow? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, the, the kind of annual calendar, yeah. like the ones the LWML sells, you know, these, these kind of calendars. Oh, whoops. These kind of calendars. Um, yeah, that's right. That's what I meant to do. That's, that's why I pulled it off the wall. Um, you can really see this in kind of the, the last part of the, the calendar year. Um, so if you think about like the end of October, right, uh, what's at the end of October for the world? Halloween. Halloween, right? And, and just think about think about what's in the stores at the time, right? So yeah. the end of October, you got Halloween. Um, but the church is thinking about what, right? Reformation, 
and all saints, right? And then, what comes uh, once the Halloween can- candy's on sale? November, right. Pumpkin spice, right? Now, I, I would say Thanksgiving, which is part of it, but, I mean, what, is, what does the world really care about? Food. Food and Black Friday, right? Oh. <laughs> I think that's right. Black Friday. Black Friday. <laughs> Yeah, pumpkin pie, pumpkin <laughs> spice lattes, <laughs> right? Costco. Um, also, yeah, Costco's or Sam's pumpkin pie. <laughs> also, also on the pie here, you made me think of the clock. Uh huh. Yeah, you can think of this as a big clock. Um, but what is what does the church begin to think about at this time, right? I mean, we do celebrate Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. but yeah. but mainly Advent. Right, mm-hmm. we're we're getting into Advent, and then once right away, once Black Friday is over, what do people do? Christmas, right? Yeah. Christmas music, Christmas lights, trees, right? Lights, music, all that stuff. But really, it's not it's not Christmas yet, right? We're still we're still looking forward to Christmas, right? We're going into it, and then by the time we actually get to Christmas. Right at the end of December, the world celebrates Christmas, which is really about what gifts, gifts right? Mm-hmm. Stuff. Um, and then what do they do? They go right to New Year, mm-hmm. right? And they take down their Christmas tree. Now, really, Advent is actually our New Year. <laughs> that's when the that's when the new church season begins, right? That that's the beginning of the the church's year. Um, but we we've already had New Year, and then our Christmas actually goes all the way to does anyone know Epiphany, right? The the original January six, the original J six, uh, before it was stolen in infamy uh, by the news cycle. So, um, but but we so. It, you know, I know a lot of families, they actually, and, and some of you might have done this growing up, um, you don't put up your Christmas tree until when? Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then you don't take it down until after the, what, the 12 days of Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. right? And then there's some of us that keep it up. Some of you keep it up all year round. I wasn't going to bring it up, but. Um, <laughs> you have a bad day. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. You know. But. It really is evident, right? Um, it's just like we're always like off from the world, and uh, the world uh, gets kind of obsessed with things. I, I, I want to read this other um, couple paragraphs here from the book that that ta- talks about this. Um, so this is at the top of 204. I'm just going to start at that first full sentence, and he's talking about the the kind of Christmas time in our annual calendar. And he says, at this time of year, the television commercials and newspaper advertisements are trying to convince us to hope for all the wrong things. More toys for kids and grown-ups alike, more debt, more worry, more stuff, more discontent with what we already have. But if you wander into a Lutheran church during Advent, you will get a very different feel. Even the colors in the church, blue or violet, say it is just not Christmas yet. We are taking our time and still getting ready. Ready for what? 
Listen to the readings in Advent. We are waiting for the hope and hope for the King who will come and save us from our need to justify our lives with stuff. While the world is running haphazardly, haphazardly, the church is at peace, waiting in anticipation for the King of Peace. Right? Um, And uh, it really is kind of a a wonderful thing in this way uh, to be able to be separate from the world. Now, let me clarify. I'm not saying you can't ever participate in any of these things, right? Um, That those things are fine. But it's important to recognize that the church here teaches us that that's not who we fully are in Christ, right? We're not fully about candy and food and good deals on Amazon and um, the good feeling we get from, you know, hot chocolate and Christmas lights. Um, all those things are great, but Christ gives us something better, right? He gives us something different. And uh, so the church here helps us teach, teach us this, right? Helps teach us this. So we operate on a different time. Excuse me. The third reason I want to um, say that the third reason I want to say that uh, the church here is very helpful is that it um, helps us grow, right? And this is this is built into the creation. I think you can see. By the idea, think of the language we're using, right? We're talking about seasons. And think about creation with the seasons. Um, what happens with the seasons in creation? That the winter has a this way of resetting everything, right? Killing everything off and put giving some time a needed rest, right? And then in... Uh, the spring, things start to come back to life, right? They start to bloom, new right? New new birth. In the summer, things grow. And then in the fall, uh, things begin to harvest and, and you die back, right? Um, and that's the same kind of thing that's going on with the church here is that in Advent, we begin this uh, hope, this waiting for what's to come, right? In Christmas, we get to uh, recognize who Jesus is, right, as God in the flesh. At Easter, we get to see, and and then in Lent, right, we have this time of dying back. It's like our winter, right, our, our, our rest, where we get to uh, reset in our repentance. And then in Easter, and we get that in the death of Christ as well at, at Good Friday, and then in Easter, we get this uh, spring, Right, this this hope, this new life, this new birth, and then in the summer, right, which is um, the majority of of the, it's kind of like this here would be our summer, right, is the time of the church, right, with the the long green season, if you will, that's our time of growth, right. So this is an important idea, I think, because we're not, it's not the church year is not stagnant. Right? It's not like we just kind of do the same thing. We just humdrum along all the time um, and do, kind of do the same things. That we have these ebbs and flows. Right? We have this kind of roller coaster of a, our time in Christ where we have times of repentance. We have times of joy. We have times of new birth. We have times of dying back. We have times of growth. Right? So, 
And in that way, that that continual movement, it helps us grow. It helps us go somewhere, right, in our lives of faith. That it's not, um, and, and our lives of faith never become stagnant in this way. So um, I, I find that very helpful for preaching too, right? If if I gave the basically like the same kind of sermon every week, it would get really boring, right? You'd kind of know what to expect. Um, but the the church here gives us this this broad range of ideas and topics and that within the lectionary that this is true too right that it gives us the whole counsel of God the the broad range of what the Bible teaches um, and sometimes that's very scary right sometimes it's very joyful sometimes it's sad sometimes it's hopeful right there's uh, a range to it and ebbs and flows to it and I think that is is extremely helpful right yeah. Yeah. So the church year has was basically fully developed by the 300s. So the history of it is that it starts with Easter and Christmas. That and those are the two kind of anchor points, if you will, for the church year. That immediately, even the idea of having church on a Sunday was a celebration of Easter. But then uh, the Passover, right, this if you think about the Jewish Passover, the Jewish Passover in the early Christian church, New Testament church, became the celebration of Easter. And then um, within the first, I think, like 20 years of the New Testament Christian church, right, after the ascension, they started also celebrating Christmas. Right, the nativity of Jesus. And then from there, these other kind of time markers came in. Okay, so we celebrate Easter and, and, and Christmas, and then we're also going to celebrate, we're going to have something leading up to Easter, right? So what's, what's the uh, time period of trial and testing leading up to Holy Week? Well, that'd be Lent, right? And what's the, the, the number of days that we should do that for biblically? 40. Right, so we're gonna have 40 days leading up to Holy Week, um, and then uh, kind of filling in the gaps around those different festivals is how the church year developed, and that it was all basically established by the year 300. So Advent was actually kind of the last season to be developed, and going off of memory, I have a book about this uh, somewhere, the development of the church year, but going off of memory, I think around the year 300. Um, Advent was pretty well established in the Western Church, and so then that continued on through the Middle Ages, um, and into the Reformation, and the the Reformers, Luther and the Reformers, maintained that that pattern. And even today, I would say, you know, even your most contemporary non-denominational churches still have those anchor points of Christmas and Easter. Right, they might have gotten rid of a lot of the other stuff, but um, they still have those anchor points of, of, of Christmas and Easter as kind of a di- being on a different time, if you will. Right, but um, yeah, I it it depends on you know Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Lutherans, uh, you know probably your more conservative Reformed folks, 
will still basically follow this church here. Um, you have the more kind of contemporary liturgical folks who some of your more, depending on, it, it, it's very widely varying, but um, probably your more non-denominational Baptist types tend to not follow it as closely, right? Tend to do more, like I said, instead of following a lectionary, following, doing more like um, tailor-made sermon series type of things. So, uh, but there are also, I mean, for that matter, there are also LCMS churches that kind of ditch the church here in lectionary and do sermon series. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it is a, I mean, it is a Lutheran thing. Like the Lutherans kept it, but it's also a early church, medieval church, universal Christian thing in, in a sense, in a sense. So good question. Uh, the moon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the everything is basically everything with time is based on moon. Um, that's in the Jewish calendar. That's in. I mean, that's our calendar too. Is okay. We look up in the sky and we time how long things take to get around each other, and that's that's how we come up with our times and seasons. So. Yeah, you haven't gotten there in school yet. Um, excuse me. Okay, so uh, that's that's kind of the basics of the church here, um, and we. So let, let's look at uh, some of the individual seasons. So I'm looking at page 205 here and some of the individual um, even days. And this is just kind of a broad outline, right? So we'll just go through this. The season, we start with the season of Advent. Uh, starts four Sundays before, before Christmas and ends on December 24th. The color of the season Advent is, it's either blue or violet. Uh, it says here blue, but... Um, oh, you may also see violet. It does say that, right? So violet's the older color. Um, but then at some point in, I think it's like 20th century at some point, a lot of churches decide to start using blue as to separate Advent and Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason they were originally both violet is because violet is the color of repentance and they're both penitential seasons, right? Because in Advent, one of the, one of the Advents that were... Um, looking forward to is the final advent, the final coming of Christ in his judgment, right? So advent, the word advent means coming. When we think about advent, we're thinking about three comings of Jesus. We're thinking about the coming of Jesus at Christmas, the coming to to us now in word and sacrament, and the coming at the final day, right? So this, this is the emphasis of advent. And um, that, especially that last one, is the reason why it's considered a penitential season. So that's one of the reasons I offer um, individual confession, absolution during Advent, right? But um, but Advent, it's it's penitential, but it's also hope, right? So uh, the the seat, the color blue emphasizes the the hope that we have in Jesus coming, right? Because for the Christian, even the final day is not a day to be dreaded. It's a day to hope for, right? When when Christ will will come again. And then we have Christmas and the Christmas season. 
nobody knows the exact day of Jesus' birth. Um, so I actually read an article. I used to – I've been learning some, some – this is the second time this happened to me recently where I had an assumption in my head that I found out was wrong, uh, which is good, right? But I had always been told growing up, oh, Christmas was probably actually in the summer. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. I had never heard that. So, so, yeah, that was just something that people said. I don't know who started saying that. But um, I think it was the Lutheran Witness had an article this last around this last Christmas time about um, why December 25th is actually probably pretty accurate. And it, it, it was not that that idea of it being in the summer, that's some um, um, newer, more modern idea that just kind of picked up traction. But uh, I'd have to get that article again. I should have for this to talk about this, but um, my my understanding is that that December 25th is is very likely close to accurate for for the day actual day of Christmas, right? Um, I'll have to ask uh, the pastors conference in October that I'm going to at Pickwick. My my Old Testament professor from college is going to be pre- presenting Dr. Steinman and he is the expert in the LCMS on biblical chronology. So I'll, I'll ask him yeah. in October. But yeah, yeah. well, um, Mary and Joseph had to do something for a census. They had to go back to their right. Council. That might be in the history somewhere. Yeah, we have some records that indicate certain things, and, and I can't remember all the arguments, but I'll have to find that Lutheran. If I find that Lutheran witness article, I'll, I'll share it around. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I... I um, I think December 25th is, is pretty accurate, is the last thing I I remember reading about that. All right. Nobody knows the exact date of Jesus' birth. About 300 years after Jesus was born, Christians chose December 25th as the day we celebrate the nativity or birth of Jesus. Um, but maybe that's not, that's not exactly true, I don't think, uh, based on what I read recently. After four weeks of Advent anticipation, Christmas has more good news than a single day can hold. The Christmas season begins on Christmas Eve and ends on January 5th, the day before Epiphany. The season of Christmas is also known as the 12 days of Christmas. The color of season is of Christmas is white, right? And white white is always the day of like high feast for Christ, right? So we get white on Christmas and white on Easter and um White, white is this color of purity, right? This, this color of perfection, if you will. Um, all right. And then we get a Epiphany and the Epiphany season. Epiphany is on January 6th. Epiphany means to show or to make known, right? Like if someone says, I had an Epiphany, right? And things are made known. And is often called the Gentile Christmas because this is the celebration when the Magi, who were Gentiles, came to worship Jesus. The Epiphany season continues until the day before Ash Wednesday. The color for most of the season of of Epiphany is green. White is used on the day of Epiphany and the first Sunday after January 6th when we celebrate the baptism of our Lord and the last Sunday before Ash Wednesday when we celebrate the Festival of Transfiguration. And... um, 
yeah, Epiphany is is interesting, right? I mean, I think we kind of know about what what Christmas is about. The um, I actually did so so earlier we said that uh, you can kind of split combine these time of Christmas and time of Easter into one time of Christ. But the book did does make a little bit of a good point earlier that I didn't read that Christmas is about the person of Jesus. And Easter is about the work of Jesus. Right? So we have the person and work of Jesus. Sometimes you hear that phrase in theology um, to kind of encompass everything Jesus is about. Because we've, we find salvation in both, right? Uh, that we find salvation, obviously, in the work that he died and rose again, but also salvation in his person, that, he, that God took on human flesh, right? So both of these are kind of important, and it, it does make sense that the time of Christmas focuses more on the person, while the time of Easter, uh, which is obviously Lent and Holy Week are included in that, focuses on the work. Now, Epiphany is this kind of go-between of those, Right, where Epiphany, it's making known who Jesus is and what he's going to do. Right? Um, and this is why you get, for, for instance, you get these book bookends in Epiphany, right? Where, well, Epiphany starts with the Epiphany where the Magi come, and that is about the Gentile mission. But then you get his baptism right away, and then at the end of Epiphany, you get his transfiguration. Um, also an epiphany is like the wedding at Cana, where he turns water into wine, his first miracle. And um, these are all things that reveal who Christ is to us and what he's going to do for us. Right? They reveal the nature of Christ's person, that um, he's baptized so that we can be baptized into him. Uh, he turns water into wine uh, to show that his blood is going to sanctify these waters of baptism he is uh, transfigured to show his his godliness, right? They they all reveal part like aspects of our salvation to us, uh, which is a great thing. And depending on see, Epiphany is one of these things that can be longer or shorter too, um, depending on when Easter falls. So Christmas is always on the same day, right, December twenty fifth. But Easter um, fall is is based on the moon cycles, right? So yeah, it's the first. Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox, right? Um, so that's when that's when Easter is. So depending on when, if Easter is early or later, Epiphany can get longer or shorter, right? You get you only get between the baptism and transfiguration, you may only get two, three, four Sundays, depending on when when Easter is. Um, but then Epiphany, there's this kind of a cliff, right? Because you have the well, not so much in the one-year lectionary, but um, especially in the three-year lectionary, you get the transfiguration, and then you're into Lent, right? It's transfiguration, then Ash Wednesday. Um, now, that doesn't actually happen in the one-year lectionary. So one of the big differences well, – I've talked about the one-year versus three-year lectionary before, yeah, a little bit. So the lectionary is basically the, the readings assigned for each Sunday. And there's two lectionaries that Lutherans use. Um, the one year is sometimes called the historic because it's older. And you guys know I like historic stuff, so we use the one year, 
right? Um, the three-year is a little more modern uh, from the 20th century, and it cycles uh, the readings every three years instead of one year, right? Well, in the one-year lectionary, we do have this extra season after Epiphany before Lent called very creatively pre-Lent, right? Um, and the, the pre-Lent Sundays are this kind of nice transition. These are, this is also called, in Latin, jesimatide. But jesimatide is also not very creative because uh, you get septuagesima, sexagesima, and quinquagesima. And that leads up to Lent, right? And all those are is counting numbers in Latin, right? So it's 70 days before uh, uh, before Easter, 60 days before Easter, 50 days before Easter, and then Ash Wednesday is 40 days before Easter, right? Or so, um, that, That's what those numbers mean, right? So it's kind of counting down uh, to to Lent, right? So it's not that creative, but um, Jesmatide is what um, pre-Lent is sometimes called. But pre-Lent is kind of this nice season, this transition, right? So pre-Lent, liturgically, we do drop some of the things that we're going to drop in Lent, right? So I think in pre-Lent, we, um, we go ahead and take out Alleluia's, right? And um, and then and then I think some so, some people use green and some people go ahead and use purple, but it it kind of depends on what how you like to transition it. But basically, it's this kind of transitionary piece between the glory of transfiguration and the repentance of Ash Wednesday and Lent. And the three Sundays in pre-Lent actually line up pretty well. The gospel readings and I can't remember what reading what order they go in, um, but they line up well with the three solas of the Reformation. So uh, sola fide, sola gratia, and sola scriptura, which are grace, uh, faith alone, grace alone, and scripture alone. And, and those are kind of the themes of those Sundays. So they are kind of this nice um, who are we type of, type of season. But uh, anyway, that's that's uh, pre-Lent. Um, the book doesn't talk about that because whoever wrote this is following the three-year lectionary, obviously. So um, then we get into Lent, and uh, Lent is a season to—I'll just read this. Lent is a season to set apart to prepare for the resurrection of our Lord on Easter. During Lent, we focus on our need to repent of our sin and our need of a savior from sin. The season begins with Ash Wednesday. Many churches have Ash Wednesday worship services during which the pastor will take ashes from the previous year's palm branches and draw a cross on each person's forehead. We remember that the wages of sin is death and that our bodies came from ashes, dust, and that we will become ashes, dust, again after we die. The color for Ash Wednesday is black. There's two black Sundays. There's Ash Wednesday and there's Good Friday, right? Two black Sundays. Lent is, uh, or, well, it's not Sunday, but services. two services, yeah. N- neither of those are actually on Sunday. Um, it's literally in the name. All right. Lent is 40 days long. We do not count the Sundays in Lent as part of the season of Lent. So, yeah, if you actually count it on a calendar, it's um, more than 40 days because 
uh, you don't count the Sundays. And that's how come you can do 70, 50, 40 to, uh, or 70, 60, 50 in Jesmatide with the titles of those Sundays because you don't count the Sundays because Sundays are ultimately symbolic of what? Easter, Easter. right? So you don't, every Sunday in Lent is a little Easter, right? So it's not actually part of Lent. And so some people, if they give things up during Lent um, as fasting, they'll they can they will break that fast on Sundays, right? So if someone gives up coffee for Lent or whatever, they'll still drink coffee on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they have a day to sin. <laughs> um, well, you should never sin, right? And you should never have a day to sin. Hey, if you're giving up sin for 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 Lent, that's uh. You should give up sin all year round. Right. Um, normally, fasting is not something sinful per se, right? So, coffee is not sinful. Um, but yeah, no, good. I mean, good point, right? No. Oh, very nice. All right. Um, then we get to uh, see the color of the Lenten season is violet. Sometimes pastors get really particular about this. They uh, they don't want to say purple because it's it's violet. I don't. Purple's fine. First time you used the word violet. Uh, violet. I thought you said violence. Oh. That was when you were up there with the, can- the candles. It's going. You know, you get pink and white and then violet. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized it. Sounds kind of feminine. Right. Violet. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. As we get closer to Good Friday and Easter, the Lenten preparation and repentance deepens. The final week of Lent is called Holy Week. Apart from the special days, the color of Holy Week is scarlet or the violet of Lent. So, yeah, some some people add in these extra colors, too. Right where they'll have like a deep scarlet for um, like I think maybe Maundy Thursday or anyway it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but yeah we get some of the biggest services of the year during um, Holy Week right so we have these it goes through this list here Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday we remember it when Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey and was welcomed by people waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna does anyone remember what that means? From the from the uh, um, Sanctus. Save us now. Yeah, save us now. That's what Hosanna means. All right, and then we get to Maundy Thursday. It's also traditional, by the way. Um, we don't do this here, but some of my friends do it, which I applaud them because I it's a lot of work, but. Um, some churches have services every day during Holy Week, and on that um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, it's reading, it's Passion readings. So it's like the Passion reading from Matthew, Mark, and Luke on those days. Um, it's a lot of work. Service every day for like, if you start on Palm Sunday and you go all the way to uh, Easter, it's like eight days. Yeah. <laughs> 
And on a lot of those days, you might, and some of those days, you might have two services, right? So, um, and you have Monday, Thursday, the last Thursday before Easter, we celebrate Jesus' institution of the sacrament of the altar during his last supper. The color for the divine service on Holy Thursday is white, right? So we get this little break um, from the purple, interestingly, on Thursday, right? And then we go to black the next day. So on last Friday before Easter, we remember Jesus' crucifixion. We call it good because it is the day that Jesus paid for our sins by dying in our place. Many churches take everything off the altar and drape as we, yeah, you do that stripping of the altar on, on Maundy Thursday, right? Drape it in black cloth on Good Friday. The color for Good Friday is black or no color at all. Easter Vigil. The last celebration of Holy Week is actually the first celebration of the resurrection of our Lord. Easter Vigil is a nighttime celebration on Saturday when the whole congregation is invited to remember their baptism into Christ's death and resurrection. Right? As you know, I love that service. So, The resurrection of our Lord and the season of Easter. Easter Sunday is celebrated on the first Sunday after the first full moon, uh, following on or after uh, March 21st, the first day of spring. This means Easter's date is not fixed and changes each year. We already talked about that. Easter is the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. The season of Easter extends, this is this is worth noting, the season of Easter extends the Easter celebration for 50 days, right? So a lot of people don't think about this, but Easter is longer, right? Uh, the Easter season here, it's longer than Lent, right? Um, Lent is 40 days. Easter is actually 50 days, right? Um, and that's because uh, that's how long, uh, well, Jesus was actually on the earth for 40 days, before his um, ascension, right? Ascension is always on a Thursday because it's 40 days after the uh, Easter Sunday. And then Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, right? So the season of Easter goes through ascension and to Pentecost when the Spirit comes, right? So uh, we have... Uh, Pentecost 50 days after Easter, but the Easter season is that whole 50 days, mm. right? So um, it, it makes it does make uh, fasting during Lent a little bit easier, too, when you think you get, okay, if I can make it through the 40 days of fasting, I get 50 days of celebration, right? So, um, I don't think so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the uh, color of Easter in season is obviously white. Mm-hmm. And then finally, and we'll just finish up here, uh, Pentecost and the season after Pentecost. Pentecost is celebrated 50 days after Easter and celebrates the fulfillment of Jesus' promise to send the Holy Spirit to the church. Red, the color of fire and blood, is the color for Pentecost. The Sundays after Pentecost make up the longest portion of the church year. And then we also, one week after Pentecost, does anyone know what we celebrate, which is the other name for the season after? Uh, we get Trinity Sunday. Yeah, Trinity Sunday, a week after Pentecost. And then we, the one-year lectionary says the seasons after Trinity, and the three-year lectionary says the seasons after Pentecost, or the Sundays after Pentecost. So I don't know why. They just, that's just how they do it. Oxford does that. No. They're on the one-year now. That's what happens when I'm in charge. You end up on the one-year. During the season of Pentecost, we focus on growing together in the life God has given us through the means of grace. The color for most of the season of Pentecost is green, but other colors may be used for some special days. So on um, the first Sunday in October, um, I thought it was going to be the last Sunday in September, but it's actually the first Sunday in October is going to we're going to do Saint Michael, right, and all angels. So that'll be that'll be white. 
for instance. Red is used when celebrating Reformation and special days that commemorate those who died for the faith. Uh, So martyrs are always red. White is used when celebrating special feast days that mark celebrations in the life of Christ or his church. Right. So if we were to celebrate, for instance, um, the Annunciation, then we would do white. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the the all the major seasons of the church year, and uh, yeah, we already talked some about the lectionary, which just has different readings within those seasons. Any questions on the church year? Yeah. You had one, two, and three up there in the left hand corner. What yeah. Yeah. What's number two? The, I don't know what that is. Uh, sorry. That word and sacrament. Okay. Yeah. So these are the three comings of Christ. The three advents. But that's going to be a little bit more advent. Some people want to be a quick advent. All right. Any other uh, questions or comments on the church here? Mm-hmm. Filled up the board this time. It's hard to write somewhere. All right, next time we'll talk about Lutheran hymnody. I don't think that should take the whole time, but Lutheran hymnody is actually a really nice transition between um, the the next part of the book that we're doing and worship. So it kind of falls under worship, but then we're going to go into um, the life of Luther and the Reformation history. So it kind of fits nicely, right? Because we have the heritage of Lutheran music in worship and then we'll go right into the into the Reformation. So we're going we're getting into the history section of of the book. And I am tempted to I have to look at at the book. I'm I'm tempted to go a little bit earlier than the Reformation. I think it, the book mainly focuses on the history of the Reformation and the history of the Lutheran Church. I would like to give a little bit of a explanation to the early and medieval church. So there is, on page 288, there's church history basics that goes from 3 B.C. until 1800. So I might do that first and then go into the Reformation. I'm not sure. You'll find out when you come. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the good gifts that you give us and for making our lives part of the life of Christ, that we have been baptized into his death and into his resurrection and the life that he now lives, we live hidden in him. We pray that you would always keep this truth before our eyes as we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray that you would be with us throughout all our days. We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.